Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we're going to hit the mailbag. And so today, I'm going to bring up some stuff here, especially this first email is a very negative email. Um, But still, there's a lot to be learned from it. Right. And that's why I'm going to bring it up. I think it's important that we cover this. Mr. Wamsley, I listened to a show you did recently where you spoke about being sympathetic to people being invested in leads deals that were hurting or losing money because they were invested in ARM, adjustable rate mortgage loans. I want you to know that I'm a big fan of yours and what you have always talked about uh, resonated with me. It led me to join Lifestyles and preferred membership group. I personally emailed you when I first joined and you advised me to spread my money out. So I did. Now, let's think about this. This guy contacted me and says, look, you know, what should I invest in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How much should I put in each deal? You know, just that kind of conversation. I said, look, you go out there and you pick the deals that make the most sense for yourself and for your family. Take all the education, understand what these different deals mean. And then pick the ones that you also have consultants. You can ask for more specific information and details. But most of all, don't put all your money into one deal. Because when you own your own real estate deal, if you're buying into passive deals, you're going to be a passive in somebody else's deal. You really have no way to affect a change on what happens. So you have to entrust that your life savings, whatever small portion of it or large portion of it, you're putting into somebody's deal is at risk and is entrusted to that individual, right? So this gentleman goes on and says in this email, quite long email, basically he invested in a bunch of deals that had these adjustable rate mortgages and um, they're not doing well. And so he comes back and he says, why? Let's see if I can find the exact wording. My first question to you is, If you knew it was such a bad idea to go into these deals with the adjustable rate mortgages and a cap on top of them, uh, then why didn't you make the white paper, make it a white paper item? Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. The first thing is these adjustable rate mortgages um, came about and started to become prevalent. They've always been there and will always be there, but they came about and started to be prevalent because... The, the prices on the deals were getting too high. And I've told this to you on the radio for the last three years. Uh, the expo and every live seminar chance I got, I was telling people, hey, you got to watch out. The prices are getting too high and they're just arranging functional financing to be able to create suicide is what they were doing. And so these adjustable rate mortgages were the way you could afford to buy properties at these new higher price deals. And the interest rates were very, very low on these things. However, the banks were smart enough to see that this is going to be a problem in the future and or at least thought it might be because they forced people to buy what is known as a cap. And an interest rate cap says, "Okay, I'm going to take this adjustable rate mortgage 
at two and a half. Knowing full well if interest rates go up, it might adjust to two and three quarters or three, might adjust to three and a half. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy a cap that says it can't adjust past five. So I'm in at two and a half. It's not going to go any further than double to five. And some people bought caps because as the interest rates started to go up, the caps started to go up and they bought them at six and they bought them at six and a half and seven and so forth. But these caps became very expensive just as soon as the bank saw that they were going to have to use them. Right. So the cap deal became a problem in two or three different ways, which I'm going to cover before we get off of this, because this is a very, very complex question that he's asking a very, very complex situation that these people are in. And so what he wants to know is if I'm out here telling people, look, these arms are a potential problem that I see coming in the future. I've said it for the last three years. In fact, at the last year's expo, I played a 10-minute piece of me live at different events saying the exact same thing, that these adjustable rate mortgages were going to wipe people out. And I had them make that video so people would wake up. It's kind of like the, the hardest slap in the face I could give to you. So, look, I've been telling you now for three years this stuff is going to be dangerous. And now it's starting to wipe people out. Please listen to me. Don't do this anymore. Right? So his question is, why didn't we put it in the white paper? Now, for those of you who are listening and don't know what the white paper is, the white paper is a set of rules and regulations and suggested practices. Some of them are rules and some of them are suggested practices that the members that have gone through our lead training program have agreed to follow, right, have agreed to follow as a Lifestyles member to put as much protection as possible into each of these deals. In other words, if you operate your property correctly and you set your deal up correctly, the odds of being successful are very high. So this guy asked a legitimate question. Why didn't I say you can't do it and just say no to everybody? Well, there's where you get into the reality of the world. Like I said, the white paper is a set of rules and practices that everybody agrees to. At that time, none of our leads agreed to it. In fact, well, I'd say none. I'd say maybe 80% of the leads said, no, we don't want to give up interest, low interest rate loans. Are you crazy, Dell? We can get in at two and a half percent, two and three quarters percent. Why would we give up that opportunity? Right? Why would we pay and go get a fixed rate loan, which, by the way, would make there be almost no cash flow to the deal because the price is so high. If you had to pay principal and interest and not just interest only like these guys were paying uh, and the interest was high, you would not cash flow. So these guys were buying these apartment deals with no int- with interest only loans, which meant there was no principal being paid at some point, you know the devil was going to come due and they were going to have to start paying the principal. They were doing it on adjustable rate mortgages, which meant you were using interest rates that were below market interest rates. In other words, they weren't real. They were below market interest rates, um, which many people are use, believe that these are like leader-type deals. The loss leaders will get you into the loan knowing the interest rates are going to go up and it's going to end up spanking you somewhere down the line. So... 
He asked, why don't I put it in the white paper? Because if I put it in the white paper, 80% of the people in our group would have left. And nobody would have stayed if I would have said, you can't use low interest rate loans. And I had members contact me and say, Dell, do you understand what this guy is saying? You look like an idiot saying all this stuff. I said, well, I understand I look like an idiot, but I will be a safe idiot when all this stuff falls apart. And I just won't do it. So being that I wouldn't consult people to go into these deals, I never really read one of them to find out what the hidden problem really was. And I would suggest to you that all the very, very smart people I know, people smarter than myself in many cases, all across this industry, no one really read the fine print. And here, my friends, is where the real problem came in. People were buying these loans on three to five year terms that adjusted and they had maybe one, three or five years of interest only. And then they would amortize back into fully amortized loans or they would refinance out and go get another loan. What they didn't say and what they didn't read into the loan was that they thought in typical format of a fixed rate loan, they had a three, five or seven year loan that it just would flow right on. Right. But that's not what was actually happening. What actually was happening was you were getting a three year loan that adjusted every year or a five year loan that adjusted every year. And you go, well, I'm really going against is the interest rate adjustment. Right. No. What they were doing and what was actually in the documents was that you get a new loan every year with an adjusted rate based on where we're at at that point. Well, that new loan means you have to requalify. And now with a higher interest rate, your debt coverage ratio is terrible. And so people's loans after only one year or after the second year after interest rates went up too much or the third year after interest rates went up too much. In other words, within a 12-month period of time, wherever you're at, all of a sudden you couldn't qualify for that new loan when that adjustable rate mortgage adjusted. And bam, these people were up against a wall. And with that in mind, they tried to buy new caps on the adjustment and the caps were costing them a million bucks at a shot. So if you want to say we've gone from 3% to 5.5, like right now interest rates are about 5.6, 5.7, something like that. For you to get that locked down to where it won't go any higher than that was costing them a million dollars plus. I've seen some as high as 2 million bucks just for the cap. Forget about the loan origination fee to get the new loan in place and whatever. Forget about what the new interest does to your payments. Forget about all the real, normal, common real estate problems. This was just a finance problem. And people were finding they were stuck. They couldn't refinance, right, because they couldn't they couldn't get the uh, debt coverage ratio to, to work again. Or they couldn't refinance because they couldn't afford the new cap price. So what are they forced to do? They're forced to sell. So as this guy said, you know, and by the way, he got it wrong. He said, oh, I, had, I had sympathy. No, I don't have sympathy. I have empathy. I have empathy, and I really feel bad for all the people that are going to lose money on this situation because I was screaming it at the top of my lungs. But there's only so much I could do. And he asked a very legitimate question. Why didn't you just outlaw it? You can't outlaw something that 80% of the people in this world want to do right? And 
that 80% of the people have a more logical argument for than there is a logical argument against. And there you have it. So they ended up getting bitten. Not as much by the interest rate change, although that is very problematic. But you got bit by the new loan origination process. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsa Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Need more unconventional wisdom that will set you free? Subscribe to Lifestyles Unlimited on YouTube and binge content that will actually help you get where you want to go in life from people who are already there. With over 50,000 members and 32 years of proven success, there's so much more we want to share with you than what we have time for on the radio. On YouTube, we go beyond our shows and feature our best content from podcasts, interviews, expo, master's tour, fireside chats, special events, and more. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we are in the mailbag and we are still on the first email, which was a very, very good set of questions the gentleman came up with uh, about why people were willing to go into these adjustable rate mortgages and why we couldn't stop them from doing it. We've already explained that people did it because it was something that everybody was doing and there was great arguments out there intellectually for doing it. All the brokerage firms were telling people to do it. All the mortgage brokerage firms were telling everybody to do it. And there was no way, even though I screamed as loud as I could, that it was potentially dangerous and could wipe people out. I couldn't stop people from doing it. One of my members asked me, why didn't you just stop them? I don't know how I stop people from doing business. I'm not the police. There's no police here uh, telling people they can and can't do something. Uh, the white paper is something we all agreed to. And if you don't agree to it, then you leave. And I've had many, many people leave, and some of the people left uh, you know, were good when they were here, and they left because they didn't want to listen to what I had to say anymore. And when they did, uh, they either did well or not. The bottom line is most of the people that have left here right now that are my ex-members uh, that have become mentors themselves out there have lost money, have lost big amounts of money. I mean, one guy's student lost five apartment complexes up in Dallas, Texas, uh, and his student did that. Uh, another guy here here in Houston who's a mentor now uh, out there all over the Internet, he lost a $50 million apartment complex. It's, it's booked for foreclosure right now, a uh, $30 million loan, which means his partners will lose about $20 million because these guys won't listen. They're just out there buying and buying and buying and buying, paying way too much and financing it with the craziest financing possibilities. So here we are now in the third part of the problem. So now you've, you've realized you can't refinance the loan because the debt to income ratio won't work. You can't live with the interest rate you're in. 
Uh, but that's not really even the problem. Your problem is your loan is now expiring and you got to get out of that loan and you can't really qualify for another loan. So now you're backed up against selling the property. And of course, you think the property is worth a lot more because your valuation of the property when you bought it, interest rates were two and a half percent on an adjustable rate mortgage. Well, now interest rates are five and a half, five and three quarters percent. And so you've lost half the value of your apartment complex or thereabouts, some large chunk. I know one group of people that had a property that they had sold. They had an offer to buy it for 50 million bucks. And they said, no, we want 51 or 52 or something like that. And the buyer just goes, that's just no, it's too much. And so they walked away. And now that loan uh, their loan has put them up against the wall and they have to sell and they're going to sell for much, much less than that, maybe $10 million less than what they uh, originally had sold it for. And they can't imagine that. But what they're not imagining is the guy on the other end of the deal who has to buy it and buy it with a five and three quarters percent interest rate. And uh, they're not seeing that. And, you know, their property taxes will go up because the price is higher. Uh, their insurance will go up because right now in the Gulf Coast area, the insurances are higher. Uh, and the sellers just don't want to admit any of that. They just say, no, I don't want to admit that. It's worth a lot more. I know it is because somebody offered it to me. You know, hey, people are going to sell for a lot less than what they paid for these properties in many cases. Now, some of them, luckily enough, they bought it so cheap that selling, they still will be above water. They won't lose money. And that's happening. And the smart people, when my executive vice president, Lynn Murrow, sent out an email to everybody, said, look, it's time to get rid of your dogs right now. If you've got something that's got a problem, you better get rid of it. This was a year ago. A lot of people got got it done. When the prices were at the very peak, they got out of those deals, and boy, are they happy right now. The other people who wouldn't heed you know, that suggestion and or who were buying right at that point at the highest peak moment with the most abusive interest rate structures, those people are going to eat it now. So that's just the way it is, folks. And I have empathy for these people, but I don't have any sympathy because I'm not crying tears for people that won't listen to what I tell them to do. There's nothing more I can do. No, I can't break their arm. No, I can't uh, ruin their business on them. And basically, that's the other part is they say, well, why don't you just stop them from doing it? You can't. There's a thing called restraint of trade. You can't just stop business from happening. That's against the law. You have to let people do the business they want to do. Remember, I don't own any of these deals these people are buying. I'm just an education and mentoring program. I'm telling them what I'm doing, and I'm buying a lot of stuff right now. In fact, I'm closing on a deal tomorrow. I got two letters of intent accepted yesterday, and I got one offer in yesterday that uh, has gone to um, the final offers. So it may be that I'm buying four properties in the next 60 days, guys. You know, you go, well, Dell, how can you buy all these? Because the prices have come down by 5 or $10 million. Do you understand? These deals make a whole lot more sense when they're $10 million cheaper than they were a month ago or six months ago. And I'm the guy that's going to get in there and buy it. And there's still the possibility the interest rates are going to go up higher. The Fed looks like they may raise them higher, which means the prices are going to go lower. He said, well, Dell, why don't you wait till the prices rock bottom? Because these people are going to get wiped out. The deals are going to be there and they're going to be gone. And 
when you get to the rock bottom of all rock bottoms, there might be all of a sudden a thousand people that see the world the same way I do. Whereas right now, I'm the only guy that sees it this way. I'm the only guy out there buying again. This happened in 2008, too. I was the only guy out there buying. When every when the market is going up, right, everybody's buying. They say it when the harbor's full, all boats float. But when the harbor goes down, you find dead bodies at the bottom of the harbor. And there's lots of dead bodies at the bottom of the harbor and lots of boats that go crashing on the rocks. That's just the way the world works. I wish it doesn't or didn't or hasn't or wouldn't. But, you know... I can have empathy, but I don't have any sympathy because, listen, I'm on the radio telling you how to do business for free. I'm broadcasting my business model. I'm telling you what I'm doing. I'm buying four deals right now. Why aren't you out there buying right now? Because, well, Dell, I'm worried about like the guy who said that he got into those deals and they're all upside down and silly. Yeah. If you're upside down and silly, you're probably not buying right now. But what if you're not in one of these upside down and silly deals? And by the way, they're only about 5% of all the deals out there. They're not, people go, isn't everybody in this problem? No, that's the other lie they're telling you. Everybody is not in this problem. Only about 5% or less of the deals that I know of have these problems. And of those 5%, only 1% or 2% are really going to lose anything. The rest of them have figured out how to work their way through it, how to um, have enough cash flow to survive. And they will get through it. And when the other side of it comes, they will refinance out of these ridiculous loans um, and get back to normal. Because what's happening right now is real estate is returning to the norm. 6% interest rates is the norm. That's where the marketplace really has been forever. This low interest rate stuff is just craziness that was created that overinflated our entire economy. That's why there's massive inflation. That's why we have all the problems we have, not to mention COVID. But aside from COVID, this was all orchestrated through low interest rates. You eliminate the low interest rates long enough, the world will come back to normal. And then people will start evaluating apartment complex deals on their income again and not on their potential for the cap rate to change. That's what they're doing right. have been doing for the last year or two. They're not making any money on cash flow. They're speculating. They're buying because they think the prices are going to continue to go up. And for fees, syndicators make their money on fees. They don't make their money on cash flow. With the prices coming back down again, I can see myself making money on cash flow. That's why I'm excited again. I buy apartment complexes for cash flow. I buy commercial real estate for cash flow. And the next email I'm going to share with you, uh, he's got a crazy story attached to it, so you might want to listen to this just for giving yourself a little humor. Um, the email says, Dell, what are your thoughts on buying in areas of early gentrification? Just uh, get in early, question mark, or wait for the properties to take, uh, wait for more properties to take the risk before you take the plunge. Well, just to answer your question straight up, uh, I'm a second guy in the door type of guy. I'm never like to be the first guy into anything. And the first guys have got to go in there and really spend a lot of money and a lot of effort to turn something around. You can put something you can buy cheap, but it's going to cost you a lot in operational costs to try to maintain a facility when you're in a neighborhood where everybody in the neighborhood is a purple Martian. And being able to fix that is impossible because the only people you can rent to are purple Martians. Now, think about that for a second. If you're in an area that is being changed over from a poorer neighborhood to a more affluent neighborhood, 
and you go in there and you stick an affluent building in there and you expect affluent rents, you're, first of all, not going to find anybody who can afford the affluent rents. And number two, you're not going to find somebody who's willing to move from an affluent area into this area. Why go live in the middle of a slum? Uh, so what generally happens is, is it doesn't work. If you can get a guy that will fight through that and maybe he pulls the rents up from $700 a month to $800 a month, and then the next guy goes in and builds one right next to him, pulls the rents from $800 to $900, and now you can go in and you can get your $1,000 to $1,500 a month rents on your Class A properties. You can start putting better properties in there. But, man, that first guy, he's not going to do it. You can spend a ton of money to renovate something in there, and it just won't work. The word regentrification is an interesting word. I got in a lot of trouble one time. I was uh, lobbying up in Washington, D.C., and I went into uh, one of the congressmen from Houston, Texas here. Uh, his name is Al Green, and Al Green used to be a judge here. So I went in front of Al Green as a judge many, many times with evictions. Maybe it's 100 people, but only 50 times, I'm two or three people at the same time. But I, I knew the guy, you know, and I knew who he was. But I felt like I could go in and lobby with him, and I, I, I went into his office, and I said, you know, we're doing a great job regentrifying these neighborhoods in your district and turning them around, making them nice. And you would have thought that I'd spat in his wife's and mother's face. I'm telling you, this guy, I've never seen anything like this. This guy went ballistic. And I go, what's wrong? <laughs> he goes, do you know what the word gentrification means to a black man? I said, no, I don't. He says, gentrification means you're moving us out of our neighborhoods. So, you know, I never really thought about it that way. But this, he was really irritated by this. And so think about what he's saying. He is saying we're going into their neighborhoods and renovating everything to where the rents are so high that his voters, his constituency can't afford to live there anymore. Interesting argument, isn't it? The point he's making is it's not for his people. Well, there is a balance between the two guys, and that is to go into those neighborhoods and create the best product at the best price. What I've always done in the past is not try to go in there and put a Class A in the middle of it and change it. I've just gone in and taken Class Ds and turned them into Class Cs and made them clean and functional. And the prices, although higher than what they were when they were garbage dumps, very fair prices. Al Green and I got along after that as far as after he come back down and I explained to him that I wasn't trying to push his people out. Um, but it wasn't a very productive meeting. <laughs> and I learned something going there. So remember, when you go into these situations, remember there's people living there that can't afford to pay the rents that you're going to expect them to pay uh, because you remodeled the property. And in that case, you got to deal with those people. Last email of the day here. It says, my wife and I recently sat down with our attorney that specializes in wills and trust. She recommended we put both of our single-family properties that we have as investments under an LLC. In the past, while listening to you on podcasts, you and other speakers would explain that you don't use LLCs for single-family houses. The bottom line is we don't put houses into LLCs because you can't get Fannie Mae loans that way. We want to get the best loan possible for our rental properties, and Fannie Mae has the best loan possible, and they won't lend to an LLC. The secondary reason, though, which is even way more complicated than that, is the fact that you get sued and you own an LLC that owns real estate, they'll just take the LLC. Forget about the real estate. You own the LLC, they'll sue you and get the LLC. 
they got the real estate anyway. So what's the difference? Have a great day. And remember always, we're not doing this for a little money. We're doing it for a wonderful lifestyle. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.